You're listening to WHTT Speaks Out. Each week, Chuck Carlson and members of We Hold These Truths look into events that are, for the most part, ignored or overlooked by the mainstream media. And we analyze these events to get free and periodic updates to this program and our other interesting programs. Be sure to enter your email address in the subscribe to WHTT box on the right side of our website, whtt.org. And now... Ready, set, let the sparks fly. In today's WHTT Speaks Out, we're going to be talking about a book that's very interesting. It's entitled Judaism's Strange God by Michael Hoffman. And our good friend Craig Hansen will be talking about it. He's read the book, studied it. And it's really interesting because so many Christians here, particularly in the United States, when they think of Judaism, they think it's a carbon copy of what the Israelites were doing 2,500 years or more. And uh, that's not quite true. And I think Craig's explanation of this will make it a little more uh, clear. Thanks for all your research into this, Craig. Thanks, Tom. Just a little history on the, on the book publishing. We're talking about Judaism's Strange God. There was a first edition, I guess this in 2000, but the big version was entitled Judaism Discovered, a study of anti-biblical religion of racism, self-worship, superstition, and deceit. And that was published in 2008, and that's about 1,102-page uh, volume. I bought that, and I, frankly, I've not <laughs> been through that. It's huge. And so the book we're talking about today is the 2011 edition of Judaism Strange God, Revised and Expanded. And so it takes the larger, the 1,100-page work Judaism discovered and condenses it down more into layman speak, although I have to say that when I read uh, Hoffman, I end up having a dictionary in one hand because he, he does have quite a vocabulary that ex definitely exceeds mine. So that's kind of the, the history um, of the book. So we're talking about the smaller smaller volume uh, today. And as, as I mentioned before, when I did the review of the UN report, Israeli practices towards the Palestinian people and the question of apartheid. When we did that, I said that most Christians today think that Judaism is just a belief in the Bible without Jesus, and that's kind of what you, what you said there at the beginning, Tom. This thinking it could not be further from the truth. In Judaism's strange God, Michael Hoffman clearly, factually, and accurately presents the truth about what makes up the beliefs and practices of Orthodox Judaism today and how those beliefs align more accurately with the teachings of the Pharisees and the Sadducees of Jesus' day and not the prophets of the Old Testament, and he clearly delineates that. And I'd also like to uh, say something. If someone does a YouTube search on Michael Hoffman, there's several excellent interviews with him discussing Jesus and strange gods, and I, I think he makes the point very clear that even though the people that would call themselves Jews today are not orthodox, they're reformed or liberal or whatever label they tend to put on themselves. They are still influenced by the orthodox Judaism foundation. Just like today, you could have uh, some liberal Christian thinking, but they still have some roots based in the orthodox beliefs. I'm just going to read the preface from Judaism's Strange God. This writer contends in the following pages that Judaism is not the religion of the Old Testament or of the God of Israel, but rather that Judaism's gods consist of the Talmud, the Kabbalah, and racial self-worship. 
I further assert that Christianity is the only religion that represents the Old Testament creed of Yahweh, being the continuation and prophetic fulfillment of the Old Testament in the Gospel of the Messiah of Israel. This book is intended for the benefit of all mankind, but due to the temporal power exerted by such adherents of the ideology that unmasked, it may become a target of proscription and vilification. I ask those who would suppress it or subject its author to a, a biloquy, the question Paul asks of the Galatians, have I now become your enemy by telling you the truth? Michael A. Hoffman II. And so that's, Chuck, that's kind of what you were, were saying. Anytime you come out, you just try to expose facts. The, the whole ad hominem attacks come in. You're labeled an anti-Semite and so forth for just exposing the truth. I just want to go through that table of contents to give our listeners just what they can expect in the book. He starts out with just an introduction to the general reader, then a section to the Judaic reader, and then to the Christian reader. And also, I want to mention that Hoffman does not use the word Jews. He feels that that has been so mishandled and basically corrupted. He uses the word Judaic, which is anyone who follows this religion or philosophy of Judaism. And so he makes that distinction quite through the book. Then the next uh, little section on to the Christian reader, then he goes, uh, principal sources of the divine law of Judaism. Judaism's attack on the prophets and patriarchs. Judaism's Bible code nullifies the word of God. Loopholes and escape clauses. Chapter on lying, bribery, contents of the Babylonian Talmud, warrant for the murder of Gentiles. You know, that kind of brings it close to home. Groundwork for Talmudic courts, anti-black racism. Christians in the Talmud, and I'll give you some a little snippets of that tonight. Judaism and reincarnation, star of Bohemia, not David. Judaism and menstruation, Judaism and abortion, calendar and holy days, Yom Kippur and the Kol Nidra nullification of vows, Birkat HaMinim, the curse on Christians, child molestation and homosexuality, priestcraft in the synagogue. So that's kind of just what it says in the uh, table of contents, if that would kind of whet your appetite to get into this. The ADL attacked Michael Hoffman in a 2003 pamphlet called The Talmud in Anti-Semitic Polemics. And it was a quite uh, scathing attack on Hoffman and anyone else who would dare to use the Talmud to say that that's what they believe. At the end of Hoffman's rejoinder to the article, he states this, quote, uh, contrary to the ADL line, it is not an act of prejudice to tell the truth about the contents of the Talmud. Such truth-telling in Judaism's strange gods is a legitimate and salutary function of historical and exegetical inquiry and is equally liberating to Frum Yedin, Judaics who are enslaved by rigorous observance of rabbinic dictates and traditions, as well as to Goyim, who are held in thrall to the rabbis by Zionist politicians, media moguls, and the hireling of Judeo-churchianity. And that's obviously who we try to expose is just the, the whole Christian Zionist movement, which is obviously the oxymoron. I'd like to just go over some of the New Testament scriptures where the oral Torah believes are really excoriated. And Hoff makes it really clear, too, that what he's talking about in the Talmud is what was written down. We have the oral Torah in Jesus' day, and then after the destruction of the temple in 70 AD, which was basically the end of the franchise for Judaism as it was, 
when they were dispersed to Babylon and, and other places, this is where the Talmud from the oral tradition started being written down and, and codified, and it's been built on throughout the centuries. But here are just a few scriptures, because as we mentioned earlier, we like to bring it back to Jesus. If we're Christians, we're going to be following the message of Christ. So what did Jesus have to say about these oral traditions and this stuff that's still going on today? In Luke 11, verses 39 through 53, Jesus says to the Pharisee, Now you Pharisees, cleanse the outside of the cup and of the dish, but inside you are full of greed and wickedness. But woe to you Pharisees, for you tithe mint and rue and every herb and neglect justice and the love of God. These you ought to have done without neglecting the others. Woe to you, Pharisees, for you love the best seat in the synagogues and the greetings in the marketplace. Woe to you, for you are like unmarked graves, and people walk over them without knowing it. One of the lawyers asked him, Teacher, in saying these things, you insult us also. And he said, Woe to you lawyers also, for you load people up with burdens hard to bear, and you yourselves do not touch the burdens with one of your fingers. Woe to you, for you build the tombs of the prophets whom your fathers killed. You are witnesses, and you consent to the deeds of your fathers, for they killed them, and you build their tombs. Therefore also the wisdom of God said, I will send them prophets and apostles, some who they would kill and persecute, so that the blood of all the prophets shed from the foundation of the world may be charged against this generation, from the blood of Abel to the blood of Zechariah, who perished between the altar and the sanctuary. Yes, I tell you, it will be required of this generation. Woe to you lawyers, for you have taken away the key of knowledge. You did not enter yourself, and you hindered those who were entering. As he went their way from there, the scribes and the Pharisees began to press him hard and provoke him to speak about many things, lying in wait for him to catch him in something he might say. Matthew 23, 37 and 38 when Jesus says, O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the city that kills the prophets and stones those who are sent to it, how often would I have gathered your children together as a hen gathers her brood under her wings, but you were not willing. See, your house is left to you desolate. And in Matthew 5:23, under loving your enemies, Jesus says, You have heard it that was said, You shall love your neighbor and hate your enemies. An interesting phrase, hate your enemies, that's not found in the scriptures anywhere. You know, part about you shall love your neighbor, that's you know, back quoting from Deuteronomy. And so I was just wondering if that was part of the oral tradition that they had in, incorporated into their teaching. Mark 7, uh, 1 through 13. Now when the Pharisees gathered to him with some of the scribes who had come from Jerusalem, they saw that some of the disciples ate with hands that were defiled, that is, unwashed. For the Pharisees and all the Jews do not eat unless they wash their hands properly, holding to the tradition of the elders. And when they come from the marketplace, they do not eat unless they wash. And there are many other traditions that they observe, such as the washing of the cups and pots and copper vessels and dining couches. And the Pharisees and the scribes asked him, Why do your disciples not walk according to the tradition of the elders, but eat with defiled hands? And he said to them, Well did Isaiah prophesy of you hypocrites, as it is written, This people honors me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. In vain do they worship me, teaching as doctrines the commandments of men. You leave the commandments of God and hold to the traditions of men. And he said to them, You have a fine way of rejecting the commandment of God in order to establish your tradition. For Moses said, Honor your father and mother, and whoever reviles mother or father must surely die. But you say, If a man tells his father or mother, Whatever you would have gained from me is Corban, that is, given to God. 
then you no longer permit him to do anything for his father or mother, thus making void the word of God by your tradition that you have handed down. And many such things do you do. So that's just kind of an overview of some of the things that Jesus said about it. I would encourage anyone who's interested in looking at this book, just go to Amazon and read some of the reviews. I pulled down a couple here, the reviews of Judaism, Strange Gods. Here is one, excellent work, very well footnoted. Perhaps if American Christians would read this, we could develop a more realistic policy on Middle East situation. It's the missing link to understanding the motivating force behind the modern Israel state. Another one, uh, as a born-again Christian, I must say to any other genuine Christian reading this, that this is one of the most important books we can read. We will understand why the Lord Jesus reserved such harsh words for the spiritual forefathers of the pagan Babylonian rabbis of today, the Pharisees. We will understand why groups like the ADL and other defenders of the criminal enterprise of Judaism try to smear anyone who brings up criticism against this evil system of lies, deception, thievery, murder, pedophilia, and black magic. Another one, excellent and thorough with well-supported facts. This has helped me as a Christian to understand the huge contradictions between Judaism and Christianity and the reasons for the behavior of Talmudic Israeli state. Having Jewish family that was part of the Bolshevik Revolution, I never understood their hate for Christianity until I researched the religion of Judaism, and this book supports that further. Another one, while not anti-Semitic, a sharper point cannot be made that modern rabbinic Judaism is a religion of racial supremacy and a severe heretical perversion of the Old Testament Judaism. The Talmud and Mishnah have replaced the Torah as supreme authority. To understand the true evil, Netanyahu has boasted that the Talmud now reigns supreme in all aspects of Israel. You must read this book. Growing up Jewish and attending Orthodox day school and high school, I was always exposed to racist, bigoted, elitist, and nasty attitudes of the Orthodox rabbis in the Talmud. But as a kid, it's a bit disorienting. And after reading this, it all came rushing back. Please remember that not all Jews hold this sick and twisted ideology. Many of us love and respect our fellow humans as brothers and sisters, not as subhuman as the Talmud paints all Goyim or non-Jews. Hoffman's expose also provides such illumination when viewing the chaos of current different world events. If certain people believe they are a superior race and even above the Creator in heaven, what are they not capable of doing? Remember the U.S. liberty, the Levon affair, continuing cruelty to the Palestinians? How about 9-11? So anyway, that's just a few of the, uh, the reviews on, on Amazon. And another endorsement that I, I think is really uh, expanding the, the reach of Judaism's strange gods is by Chuck Baldwin, who ran for vice president in the 2004 election on the Constitution Party ticket, and then in 2008 as a presidential candidate. And in 2012, he was nominated as a presidential candidate for the Reform Party. And his website carries a banner endorsing uh, Judaism's strange God. One chapter I think you might find interesting, it's, it's Christians in the Talmud. And I'll just read a little blurb here. To understand Judaism's discreditable and hateful attitude towards Christianity, one has to possess knowledge of the halakha that governs relations with Christians. The rabbinic authorities, poskim, teach that Christianity is idol worship. The majority of poskim state didactically that Christianity constitutes idol worship and any place set aside for worship of Jesus Christ is a house of avodah zara, which is foreign worship, like an idol. 
And then the level of fanatical hostility towards the Christian house of worship or church is amazing to behold. There's even a rabbinic prohibition against a Judaic driving his automobile through the parking lot of a church. Quote, while church services are being held, it is clearly forbidden to enter the church's parking lot because it may seem to a bystander that one is entering the parking lot in order to enter the church. Moreover, it is mista shasidas, an act of piety, not to enter the courtyard of a church. So that's what they think about churches. Of course, we've heard the, the whole thing about what the Talmud teaches about Jesus being a son of a whore and so forth. A couple other things about what the Talmud teaches about Christians. Uh, those who read the Gospels are doomed to hell. That's from uh, all this stuff is thoroughly footnoted, documented. So this is not Michael Hoffman just coming up with his own ideas. He is quoting the rabbis. He's got all the sources. So that's why he said in the beginning, how is it anti-Semitic just to present the truth? Another section, when the, when the Messiah comes, he will destroy all the Christians. Christians and others who reject the Talmud will go to hell and be punished there for all generations. Those who read the New Testament will have no portion in the world to come. Jews must destroy the books of Christians, that is, the New Testament. The books of the Minium Christians may not be saved from a fire. They must be burnt in their place. And what I appreciate is Michael Hoffman deconstructs Judaism like, you know, we're trying to do with Christian Zionism teachings. Both the Judaism today and Christian Zionist teaching, they're based on extra-biblical interpretations and traditions, and it's not the word inspired, infallible word of God. It is these other things that have been added to the beliefs throughout the centuries. And I think he does an excellent job in, in doing that, and I would highly encourage, you know, anyone to pick up his book and read it. Thank you, guys. Thank you so much, Craig. That was an excellent commentary on that and analysis. We'll open up to questions. One came to mind, of course, with Jews today, there is a spectrum of belief for those that are basically atheists to the Orthodox, and and even the Orthodox, there's a range of belief. And I think of the uh, Naturi Karta, who uh, are, I don't know where they fit with respect to the Talmud, but they certainly are um, anti-Zionist. They even go so far as saying that uh, Israel should not exist, that Jews should be good members of wherever they live. Do you have any comments, or did he talk about groups like the Naturi Karta in the book, Craig? Like I mentioned earlier, because what he's talking about is obviously Orthodox Judaism, those who follow it you know, to, to the letter. And even though people that are outside of the Orthodox still have some of the pieces of that in their thinking. And so that, you know, he, he definitely touches it that way. Like the Kurakarta. They are Orthodox. They follow very closely the, those traditions, even the, you know, the, the dreadlocks and... and well, I, I, would, I would, even though they're anti-Zionist, I would, be, I would be curious to find out what they believe about Christians. I yeah. don't know that. Well, I guess just from experience, I've traveled for a while with a, a Naturi Karta rabbi. In fact, we were even traveling in a car with an imam. And uh, when he spoke in Tucson at the uh, University of Arizona, he was spat upon by Jewish students there. And so, wow. uh, so again, it's a spectrum. And I guess the point is we don't want to label, and I think you've done a good job explaining these beliefs. Do we have any other questions? 
Benjamin Friedman did a lot to set the stage for this kind of understanding because he quote Friedman in his book, Benjamin Friedman wrote back in the 1960s, he was right. converted to Roman Catholicism, as I remember, made very similar points that the big problem began with misuse of the word Jew. And he went on to explain, as did Huffman, that that what what that the word Jew only applied to a modern sect and not to the ancients. Uh, just a qu quick uh, search, and I don't see Friedman uh, being quoted in here. I've listened to a lot of YouTube talks by Michael Hoffman, and I think he's absolutely incredible the way he articulates the issues. I also like Greg Boyd. So I think there's a lot of spokespeople out there that can get the attention if people are teachable. That's the big thing. A lot of people, if everyone around them believes the way they do, then they don't even want to be Bereans and check it out. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, and that's, yeah. that's what we found over and over again is that, you know, don't confuse me with the facts my mind's made up. I'm very comfortable with my own little world that I'm, I'm, I know how to operate in, and I don't want anyone to rock it. We see that over and over again, and we've come face-to-face -face with the family members and friends as we try to basically explain how we've had our epiphany to the fallacy of Christian Zionism. I, I hate to say it, but frankly, it hasn't been met with a whole lot of success with the people that their, our minds are just they're locked. We have had much more success with mainline Christians than we have with devout dispensational Christians who have bought into the Zionist line. Would you say that? When you first got into the issue in 2002, there has been a gradual awareness of Christian Zionism. And so your title for our award-winning film, Christian Zionism, The Tragedy and Turning, is gradually coming about. It's still very slow. That's that's the sad thing. But there seems to be a turning. Even uh, in evangelical churches, my church, for example, our outreach pastor was a graduate of the Dallas Seminary. And uh, when I asked him our question, do you believe that the modern state of Israel is a fulfillment of biblical prophecy? He said without hesitation, no. And so he even sees a change in that theological seminary on yeah. some of the things. That's a wow. <laughs> Thanks for listening. If you like this program, please let your friends know about it and our other thought-provoking podcast. And be sure to visit our website, whtt.org, for a wealth of information on Christian Zionism and other critical issues that we face. Also at whtt.org, you can watch for free our award-winning documentary film, Christian Zionism, The Tragedy and the Turning, Part 1. Join us in our efforts to wake the town and tell the people. Start small, think big, and press on towards the straight gate.